The views, comments, and opinions of the following program do not necessarily reflect those of Morris Media Studios, MorrisMediaLive.com, or its affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Sometimes you just gotta make it happen. Gonna make it happen. I'm back, and I'm back here at Morris Studio. I'm so good to be, ba be back. Man, this pandemic killed my momentum for a second, but I'm back. The wellness show is back. This is Mentorship Moments. Each one teach one. We're a village. We're supposed to learn from each other and grow, not divide, right? I want to talk about a segment of our community that's been gravely ignored during this panic, panic, uh, pandemic, uh, social unrest, the, these difficult times, especially since... Um, especially since the uh, uh, unfortunate uh, death of George Floyd, which changed everything. I'm talking about the wellness of our law enforcement. Yes, I said it, our law enforcement. And I brought some backup with me because I, I do believe in, in truths. And you know, when you put the truth out there, no matter what's put out in the air, you've got to deal with the truth and the fact of the matter, okay? Our law enforcement brothers and sisters that serve our community are being ignored with mental health, okay? The pressures of law enforcement or put officers at risk with high blood pressure, insomnia, increased levels of uh, uh, destructive stress hormones, heart problems, post-traumatic stress disorder. And in this time, I've seen it tangibly get worse amongst our law enforcement officers. Here's why. The pandemic hit. We were in lockstep with our city council members as far as the handling with the first responders. As first responders, we were mentioned as the people that were out there helping alleviate the problem of COVID. By the way, 100 officers are now passed away from COVID. This is terrible, okay? We were mentioned, doctors, lawyers, firefighters, essential workers, we were essential and we were involved, okay? And yes, yes, I'm a fitness coach, but I serve my public during the day. And then near the end of May, it hit, it hit. We had the tragic killing of George Floyd. Public outrage, absolutely. And you know what, as, a, as an officer, I looked left, I looked right, and I did not see one officer that said, oh my God, here we go again. But it was more than that. There were officers that I saw tears flowing down their eyes when they saw what happened. I saw command staff in, in the city that I serve ask if we have techniques putting knees on the necks, in which I proudly said, no, we don't, as with many agencies out there. It happened, and then officers were linked with the public. We were all in agreement. It was a moment, it was an opportunity to come together, but it didn't happen. Something strange happened. We went from days prior being part of the essential conversation to being vilified. Yes, I'm a fitness coach, but I will reveal to you today that I publicly serve in the area of Los Angeles. We were vilified, and it's hard to recover from with all the stress. It is difficult. I am seeing officers walking around with their heads down. We've been through this before, but never at this level, especially when we agreed it, 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 we, with the public, with our citizens, that this was wrong. This is something that we don't do. 
I've seen officers take days off work because of their mental stress. They're feeling it, you know. But again, like I said, I brought back up, okay. I, I brought to you, I'm bringing to you someone that's been, that is in the field and is going to the next level. And we'll talk about that later. I want to talk, bring it, uh, the angel cop. I want to introduce you to the angel cop, my brother, Dion Joseph. What's going on? See, with all this high energy, man, it's like now I got to elevate. See, so you flight. got to elevate, you know? <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I like your mustache. You're mighty good looking. You know, uh, you know, well, you know you're a handsome guy, too. You, we do look alike. You do look alike. <laughs> you do look alike. <laughs> I like, like I said, everybody, I brought the backup, guys. This is a different show, unlike you've never heard, because we're going to bring the truth from all sides. We don't run from nothing. We want to bring you a truth. Not the all truth. Everybody has a perspective. But we give you two perspectives. We do give you the perspective from the African-American side. But we can also give you a perspective from the law enforcement, from a law enforcement side. So on twofold. Been black a long time. Been an officer half that time. And so, so is my brother. So I'm glad to have him as my uh, special guest to talk about today's times and officer wellness because nobody is talking about it and we need to talk about it because officers matter. Now I notice I didn't say any catchphrases. I don't believe in any of that. I don't live blue lives. I don't live black lives. I live for Christ, okay? I live for God. That, that's where my energy comes from. God right? so loved the world and if God loved the world, I gotta love the world. And I gotta love myself. So I already matter, okay? Mm -hmm. So here's the deal. Here's where we're gonna go, okay? We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about officer wellness. Are you ready? This is CJ, each one teach one. Let's go. You know, so, so Dion, I, I just wanna bring up just a few, few points. Uh, after the George uh, uh, Floyd uh, murder, I mean, that's, that's, that's what people are calling it, yeah, killing or however your perspective, across the country, we all believe that this thing was wrong. Right. It caused an out outrage. And for the first time, like I said earlier in the intro, I saw linkage between, for the first time in my career, it wasn't like, eh, coulda, shoulda, uh. For the first time, I saw the majority of law enforcement and public linked in thought that mm. this was wrong. This was a chance to come together. Mm. What happened, in your perspective, because you were out there every day. I spent like a couple of days out there. You were out there every day. In fact, before, during, and after the pandemic and all, you were out there. Yeah. with those officers in, in, in the L.A. area. Well, it was interesting. Uh, in your intro, you talked about one day being celebrated and embraced as part of the first responder community that in, in helping the pandemic. I lived that every night at 8 o'clock uh, at night, or what we call 2000 military time. We would leave the station or our patrol cars would drive around, and in the building and apartment buildings in Skid Row and in the historic core, people would lean out their windows and clap every time we drove by. I mean, this was happening. It was very encouraging because dealing with COVID was already one monster on our back. We're driving around, we can't hide. We have to put hands on people. We have to put people in handcuffs. We have to rescue people and put them in ambulances who could be COVID positive. And so that was stressful. For, so for the crowds to be cheering and chanting, that was great. And then May 25th hit. Now, I didn't watch the video when it first happened. I think I was on a few days off, and sometimes when I'm off, I try not to focus on police work. I, so I watched, when everybody kept talking about me, my friends were calling me and said, Dion, did you see that? I said, no. Now, whenever I hear or see a police incident, I, I, I always base it on my training and experience, not my emotion, because only from an emotionless vantage point can you verify if an officer was wrong or right. Uh, and that's the best way to judge it. So I tried to watch the George Floyd incident uh, for eight minutes and 40 seconds. I watched it the first time and I was in shock. I tried to analyze it with no emotion. And the second time I watched it, literally tears flowed down my eyes watching this man 
uh, pass away at the hands of uh, Derek Chauvin. How about other officers around you? We're talking about white officers, black officers, Hispanic officers in, in that in your area that you work. How were how were there? You were in there. You were out there patrolling. When I was in the office, uh, there was a big screen TV. When I came back after I watched it, and uh, it was what everybody was talking about in the office. And then it came on. They showed it again. And uh, black officers, white officers, Asian officers, uh, I have a very multicultural unit that I work with. We're all looking at this, and everybody's just shaking their head, like, oh, my God, what is that officer doing? Uh, I've been working police work for 25 years of my career. Mm. I've reported misconduct. I've reported brutality. Yes. And I did it without losing a drop of sleep. I've never seen anything like that, uh, whether people believe that was a cause of death or not. I've never seen the level of cruelty to be sitting on a man's neck and then to have him pass away right underneath your knee and still not get him. The level of cruelty there was jarring, it was upsetting, and we were all, from that day right there, one of my fellow officers said, here we go, just like you said. He said, another one said, it's over, and the others were like, you know, it was horrific, and we knew that it was gonna be bad. And then we had to go out there and the, the protests and the riots too, because uh, there were peaceful protesters, we acknowledge that, but there were also people there with other interests mm -hmm. who were there to destroy, and the hate that we received uh, from people who weren't even from our town. At points you didn't know, you mentioned PTSD. You, you never knew who your enemy was because everybody was wearing a mask and everybody from all walks of life, or whether they're white, black, or giving you the finger, throwing something at you, you never knew who your enemy was. And I was there for 12, 12 days straight. I remember it, and uh, I didn't see my family. I lost weight. I didn't sleep for literally about 10 of those days. Mm. And the crazy thing, and the reason why is, hey, I'm thinking about the Floyd family and how tragic that was. My heart just broke. And on top of that, going out and just dealing with more hate for something that I had nothing to do with. Now, now clarify that when you say you had nothing to do, because there's this perception that, and I, I'm not being funny, I'm, we're on social media all the time, fighting the battle on social media. Right. There are people that think that every police agency works at the same academy in some bubble with, <laughs> with the same policies and we kick butt and that's what we do. Go from that angle. Well, you know, I always tell people police officers are a microcosm of society. Hmm. Uh, you know, um, I think we all can agree that in the United States of America, the majority of individuals, whether they're black, white, gay, straight, Christian, Jew, Muslim, mm. are decent people. And if you don't believe that, please get off social media tonight and go say hi to your neighbor. Okay, but we also can agree that there is a, a negative exception of American society, a very small percentage. But when they engage in their foolery, or so to speak, or their dangerous acts that affect everybody, they're the ones that get depressed, they're the ones that get the looks, they're the ones that get the likes and a million views on, and it paints the picture that the world is a rolling dumpster fire in a dry forest. Mm. Where do police officers recruit from? They recruit from the American public, and I can assure you that working 25 years that the vast majority of officers I work with were decent, hardworking, middle-class working people, uh, but there is a negative exception that exists, and when they rear their ugly head, it affects us, and I understand why, mm. because we hold people's lives and freedoms in their hands. So totally I don't right. knock the the extra scrutiny at all. I think it's necessary. What I don't understand is other professions where people have <laughs> their other people's lives in their hands, doctors, teachers. Look, in one year, doctors killed 250,000 people from malpractice, accidents, and misdiagnosis, and most of those were people of color. Mm -hmm. But nobody's saying defund doctors, and nobody stopped going to the doctor when your stomach's hurting or you got a headache. You still go. Uh, teachers, 
teachers are incredible human beings. The vast majority of them de- are decent human beings. But every time we turn, it seems like every week we turn on the TV and there's a teacher who slept with her 17-year-old student or a teacher who slept with uh, 28 first graders or another teacher who fed his bodily excrements to uh, his, his third grade students. Mm-hmm. Every week we're seeing that, but nobody's saying defund teachers. And, and, and uh, so what I feel like, every movement needs a villain. And I feel like the, today's movement the, the villain needed is law enforcement. But what it's doing is it's, you're not only hurting the vast majority of decent human beings who are going out there putting it all on the line for you, they really are. Uh, in the end, you're also hurting the community because uh, it's a scary time to be a police officer right now. One one wrong move and that's it. So you're, I'd like to uh, uh, steal a phrase from Dr. Nelson, but I can't say it because of the expletive and I want to try to keep my show clean. <laughs> but we're in the doo-doo, right? You're, we're in the doo-doo. So we're, 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 we're officers out there in the madness. Mm-hmm. And pre-pandemic, pre-riot, or pre-protest or civil unrest, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. we were heroes. We were involved in the first responder conversation. Yeah. And then while we're still doing our job, pro, uh, protecting some of the protesters that were out there trying to harm us, right? Along with arresting and other things, you can agree or disagree, but that's what we were doing. Do the math, that's a fact. We're being labeled, and I don't want to name names, you know, by our leaders, mayoral, mayoral leaderships from across the country, you know, not just one, mm-hmm. that we're killers. So you're in the middle of helping someone or engaging the community during this pandemic, during this, this civil unrest. The interesting thing about this time is we've been here before, like you said, but never yes. to this level. Even though at times that we, we were thrown under the bus, we were never backed over because uh, leaders across the country, all civic leaders, realized in the end they needed us. Uh, currently, what we're seeing today is we're not seeing leader, civic leaders anymore. We're seeing followers in leadership positions. They're, they're doing what they need to do to survive. And what's disheartening to me is they're bowing to the will of individuals, many who don't even live in the city or even in the darn state. They're just bowing to these loud voices. When poll after poll, when you talk to people, they're saying 81% one poll, 71% of the community say, we don't want the police defunded. We need we need them. But you're not listening to them. You're listening to these loud voices who are, in the end, going to put the general, the very people they claim they're trying to help, they're actually going to put, be put in danger. I remember when they were already talk, when they, at the beginning of them talking about defunding. Remember Atlanta PD? You remember yes. that incident? Yes. And those officers say, oh, we're going to walk off the job. You know, I was one of the first ones to say, don't, don't do it. Please don't do, do it. your job. Now, <laughs> I was in Skid Row and three people, all African-American, one came out of a tent, mm-hmm. one came out of a hotel, <laughs> and one was a parolee. He said, Joseph, you guys going to walk off the job? I said, no, I ain't leaving you. And they were like, whoo, thank God, because it's crazy when you guys aren't here. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like cities are cutting off their right arm. Law enforcement is the right arm of, uh, of any city. Uh, and if it's used right, it can make people's lives better. It can improve quality of life. It can make things safer. I want to bring up some, some points as to why officers may be suffering from this form. And I'm going to say it because you don't say the D word in, in, when you're a law enforcement officer because they'll think you're crazy. And you, you, it, you know, so we, we, we veer from saying it. But since I'm a motivational coach today, it's depression. All yeah. right. So while you're out there doing your job, there's somebody or an activist or some some rap superstar coming up with these grandiose ideas on how to solve this narrative of a police problem. Mm-hmm. And you're out there doing your job because the same people that are calling you killers or degrading you are telling you you still got to get out there and do your job. And while our leadership above us, and we're talking about our, our people that make laws, are entertaining ideas like this. 
abolishing, abolishing of police work, right? They want no police in schools. Now, while you're out, picture yourself out there doing your job and you're hearing this day to day, this is what's being threatened. They don't want you at parks. They don't want you at prisons. During evictions, when you need the police the most. Uh, dealing with the homelessness, which is your specialty, Mr. Angel Cop. Uh, public transportation, uh, car accidents, DUIs, and traffic violations, neighborhood gatherings, mental health crisis, not mental health incident, mental health crisis. crisis and any space involving children. So I'm out there doing my job and I'm being labeled as if I'm no better than a child molester, you know, and the people around me that I've been working with for 25 years. How does that make an officer feel? We're, we wanna talk about, cause we're gonna build up because I think there's, I think there's hope. Well, I, 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 it's hurtful. Uh, if you don't think we have feelings, uh, you're, you're mistaken. I started a mentor program called the Just Like You program where I mentored at-risk youth. Uh, in Skid Row and beyond. And I went in and built relationships with those children and teenagers, and we became like family to a degree to where they'd even see me in the street arresting a bad guy, and they'd still come up and grab me by the leg and say, hi, Officer Joseph. I'd be like, hey, I'm handling business here. Uh, I would walk into the schools, and the people would hug me and kiss me, and the kids would be all over me, and I'd hey, sit down, calm down. It was a beautiful thing. And then over the two years, over just the course of two years with this, uh, this narrative, uh, that we are all monsters trying to kill you just because of the color of your skin. Now, when I walk into a school, kids are afraid. Are you going to shoot me, officer? Uh, it, it, it's like, wait a minute, you just saw me two years ago. Uh, but it's just, it's just horrific. See, this is no longer about let's help our people or protect our people. This is about punishing anybody who decides to wake up in the morning and put a uniform on. You're talking about keeping officers out of park. Two parks that I uh, uh, police in my area are some of the most dangerous parks on the planet. Mm. Years ago, I worked together with activists <laughs> to help clear the park. Play Truth for you. We worked together. Play basketball with them, uh, help clean up the parks. That was a fun day, by the way. Oh, yeah. He came and played ball with us, okay? Uh, go there and mentor kids in the park. Uh, protect the people who were there for the uh, Narcotics Anonymous meetings uh, from the gang members who had taught them. that We were welcome in the park. Uh, do you know what would happen if we were out of the parks right now? Uh, the gangsters would completely take over. You know those people are so happy to see me when I just take over a table and put out community information and sit down and have a conversation. See, these are the tactics of one of the most evil men in the 20th, 20, 20, uh, 20th century who said this, Adolf Hitler. He said, tell a lie, keep it simple, and repeat it over and over and over again until everybody believes. One of his lackeys said this, tell a lie once, tell a crazy lie once, nobody's going to believe you. You tell that same lie a thousand times, everybody's going to believe you. What was the narrative about you and me in the late 70s and 80s as African-American men? All blacks are criminals. All blacks are criminals, which produced the what? The 1994 crime bill, which overreached its goal and put a lot of us in prison who Agreed. shouldn't have been there for a long time. Agreed. And what's the current narrative? All cops hate minorities. All cops hate minorities. And when you keep it that simple and you repeat it over and over again, we're in an era that I call the microwave society. Okay? People don't want to slow cook anything anymore. You know, you don't want to use all the ingredients. You don't want to, you don't want to know. Don't forget all the ingredients. Let's just throw it in the microwave, light it up, and I want to eat that bad boy, but it's going to give you cancer and burn the roof of your tongue, you know, right, right, <laughs> even right. though it may taste good. Yeah. Yeah. Lies are delicious. Lies are <laughs> Truth is ugly. The truth is ugly and nobody wants to hear the truth. But in the end, uh, this microwave society that we live in, and it's not that people aren't intelligent. 
the people that I've argued with all the time in love are some of the most intelligent people in the world. But we've all, even me, I have to admit it, with social media, we've all become intellectually lazy where there's no more critical thinking. It's the first headline I see. We become headline thinkers, and that is the most dangerous. A, a subjective society is a dangerous society. I made the mistake myself, you know, uh, and I like to research facts. You know, I, you do too, please. You know, I, you do a good job of that. But I made the mistake a couple of times of jumping in on something with emotions on a couple of uh, years ago <clears throat> of, of, of uh, police shootings and and then when the facts started rolling out, I was almost embarrassed that I jumped that far in. It's not saying it's I was right or wrong, but I was celebrating facts that weren't there, okay? Right or wrong. And no, it seemed like nobody wants to wait until the whole story is being told. And I blame, I blame our community, I blame even some of our officers, and I blame the media, working media at one time for a bit. They used to put out the bullet points of the facts right. first and then get the opinion. Now it's news newstainment, I guess, news entertainment. How sexy is the story? You know, is it black versus white? That's another dangerous narrative, you know, that's, that's keeping officers down. And, and to my white brothers out and sisters out there doing their job hard, you know, I respect you and I love you. You know, and it's, it's tough for you right now. And I'm here to tell you, you're doing your job, I got your back, you know. But that's where we're living right now. Everybody just like, girl, did you hear this? Yeah, then it must be so. And we cannot live in a society like that. What do you think about that? Well, it's putting us in danger as, as just as African-Americans, uh, you know, and not only do you have officers who are a little uh, shy about going forward and doing their job and showing up in some parts. I haven't stopped at all. I'm going to keep doing my job because people's lives defend, depend on it. But rationally and reasonably, there are some officers who says, look, you know what? I'm just going to drive around a wave. I'm going to collect my paycheck <laughs> and I'm going to go home. And crime is starting to skyrocket as we speak. So this whole narrative that if you get rid of the police is going to make things better is already blowing up in people's faces. It's not even law yet. And the idea of it, the discouragement, the, yeah. the thought of, it's already having it proving a negative effect. So what do we do about it? Do we need to continue to engage? Absolutely. That's what we, in your area where you've been working, right. that agency has led the charge on engagement. Absolutely. It's your Just Like Me program, Ladies Night, but it's also movie nights at the park. I've worked with counselors at those parks in the area that I used to supervise. Right. Now that same council member is, is rallying behind this defund, ab abolish the police. And it's sickening because I don't even believe that that's real. I don't believe they believe their own minutia. Trust Talks, uh, um, working with a, uh, an, a pastor slash activist, a wonderful man named Delante Goldstein. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but the one thing we do, both agree on, is we love our people with all our heart. And uh, in where I work, we had a police shooting mm -hmm. that, uh, of course, the activists got there and spun it out of control. The media, they did the whole black-white narrative and wasn't an officer there white. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they did the whole dance, and they tried to turn it into the next Ferguson. Because of the relationships that I established prior, uh, that didn't happen because that pastor said, Dion, you can't run from this. And I walked into it. I didn't run away. I walked in. I met with the people. I talked to them about police tactics. And then what was birthed from that uh, was the trust talks. It was his idea, a great idea to bring us together. Uh, and we brought in purposely people from the street, parolees, gang members. Uh, we didn't want just snooty folks from the lofts, you know. This wasn't going to be that kind of meeting. We wanted to put an officer at a table, an activist, uh, a, a tent dweller, a loft dweller, a drug dealer, all sitting at the table with the whole driven point of humanizing each other. Now, this is what can't stem from that. 
we had on average, we had six of them, 150 sh- people show up mm. to these meetings. These were huge meetings. And the community still wanted more because deep down inside, they did want a relationship with us. And now you're trying to take that away based on something that happened a thousand miles away. That's wrong. That's I have, wrong to, I have to cut them off because there is an announcement that I need to make that that is pertinent to this. Listen, you think I'm lying as we say in, in Louisiana? You think I'm lying? Go ahead and Google Officer Dion Joseph. The work is, is evident. But I have another two things before I get into the announcement that I think is going to help officers. You, I, t- I told you on our last show that I believe you were elevating to a political realm, you know, hmm. and we'll talk about that in a second. But in your perspective, since you're out there every day in patrol, how do you how do you keep each other's heads up, officers? And I'm speaking to the officers, so we got just a few minutes left briefly, and then I'm going to talk about the big announcement. Well, I can tell you that's pretty much impossible now uh, because everywhere we go, we face a lot of hatred. We come in the station, that's the number one topic. Oh, I'm driving down the street and somebody threw a rock or somebody gave me the bird. Uh, and with that sense of hopelessness, it kind of inspired me to move to a different level. Uh, I can't help the people of Skid Row any more than I have in the past due to litigation, change in laws. Uh, it's, I'm really limited in how I can keep them safe. And I want to get back to that place but we can't get back to that place if our officers aren't well. So what I've decided to do was... See, why he's going to take this? He always takes surprises away from me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> last episode I talked about, the, and you guys can, we'll send a link to the last episode. We talked about him elevating to, the, to politics because I believe that's where he's going as we get close to our retirement. He's going to be, he's vying to be league director for the Los Angeles, for, for, the, for the Los Angeles area, for that area community. So... I want you to talk about what that is, any stigmas you can erase about people's mind about what a a league uh, director is. Well, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, stigmas, and some of them is, oh, they just want to defend bad cops. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. Uh, The job of a director is to try to, if an officer does his job in good faith within the law and within policy, is to basically advocate for them. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, they don't defend bad cops. If you uh, watched any of the pressers of many unions across the nation, they, they said that they don't condone what happened to George Floyd. They don't condone what happened to Walter Scott and people like, you know. Fact check that. It's true. It's true. It's true. As a matter of fact, I did an interview with six officers from across the country with NBC years ago. You can look it up where we were talking about the Walter Scott incident. And every single officer, white, black, from Indiana to Cincinnati, L.A., every single one of us condemned that. That See, see it's not the policy or the laws that are the problem. Mm-hmm. See, the problem is when an individual officer steps outside of policy and the law. So, so, and that's what we're trying to get people to understand. So what is your, pl- briefly, what is your platform in in? fighting the battle for the officers that are doing their job as a league, future league director. And then I have a question myself before we close. Well, uh, one of the things I want to do is uh, I was gifted at is bringing civic leaders and uh, police officers and community members together. I did that for 15 years. So I need uh, where I work our city council members to come and meet with our officers quarterly and just have a conversation with them and stop looking at them like they're robots engaged in systemic. We're working for you. And the thing is, you've done that before. You've already been doing the work. You are engaged yeah. with politicians already. I already know how to do that. <laughs> so I'm just, putting, I'm just putting that plug in, all right? Uh, have some go on ride-alongs. You know, We have some who don't even want to go on ride-alongs to see what it is that we do and how difficult it is. And that's sad when you don't want to see the other side because you're going to miss something very important. But the ones you have... 
mind-blowing It was life-changing. My job when I did that was to uh, pull, whether you were extreme right or extreme left, is pull you close to center. I, I'm never going to get everybody right to the center. Exactly. But if I can bring you as close as you c I can to the center, then there's less chance of you making policies, that, that dangerous policies that don't just hurt police officers, but in the end affect uh, community members when we can't keep them safe. You, you, you heard it. Little bro made his announcement. And I say little bro because I'm two minutes older. You know, clearly he's the bigger bro. <laughs> <laughs> but but now better shape and better looking. Right? <laughs> yes, I, yes, I am. Anyway, <laughs> you're not supposed but, to do that. You're but, supposed to give it back to me. Oh, no, no, you you look all right. Anyway, so I'm just like, <laughs> we do this all the time. Look, uh, I, I, I have a question. I, I have can for our officers out there. I'm big on wellness. You know, if you can, we're, we can talk about it later. We'll meet and talk about it later. But officers need a wellness incentive. And if we could talk about that, put that on the table, that'd be great. If it makes sense, cool, whatever. Oh, absolutely. Okay, good, absolutely. good. He also has a book author. Tell us about your book briefly and how they can get a hold of it. I wrote a book uh, a couple years ago called Stepping Across the Line. It's still out, and uh, by the grace of God, a lot of people have uh, picked it up. And uh, I wanted to humanize three groups. I wanted to humanize police officers that police the homeless. I wanted to humanize the homeless. And I also wanted to humanize people of faith uh, because I feel like all three were getting a bad rap. And, uh, and, and I wanted people to see the reality of who we are and what those people go through and the challenges we face in trying to help them uh, through my story. And it was it's a journey. It's a journey where I didn't like the police at all. I hated the police. But then at some point, I had to become one. And uh, I saw the other side. The only mm -hmm. thing, difference between me and you is that I saw the other side. And that's why it's called Stepping Across the Line, Volume 1, a Skid Row Cops story. You, you could pick it up anywhere, but also don't forget, Coach CJ, still uh, books are selling off, off, the, off the chain as far as, as an independent uh, hustler, uh, navigating through the valleys of success, a perspective in perseverance. I briefly talk about, you'll, you'll see some similarities in our books, but I also talk about the entrepreneur wellness perspective from uh, the God-given gift that he blessed me with. So definitely can pick that up on uh, Amazon, hit me up on the website. Guys, if you want to know more uh, and talk, engage with us, you can hit me up at cj.functional at gmail.com. You can go to my website, cleonjoseph.com or CJFF Publishing. Uh, Dion, do you have, I know you do public speaking. Where can people reach you at? You can reach me at www.dionjoseph.org or you can hit me up on my Officer Joseph fan page, Officer Dion Joseph. You can hit me up at Instagram, Officer Dion Joseph, all squeezed together, or just Dion Joseph Facebook. You know, that's just uh, me just being me. I told you guys I'm going to continue to bring you the heat. In two weeks, we'll have another guest. I want to attack all forms of wellness. Yes, I'm a fitness coach, but I should attack all, all forms. So we want to deal with human trafficking because that's an ignored, ignored issue. And we want to talk about your health. So more to come, but it needs your support. So if you like us, give us feedback. Hit us via email. You can hit me up on Facebook at Cleon CJ Joseph. Uh, whatever feedback, we love it because we want to grow. No subject can be untouched when it comes to wellness. Each one teach one. We are the village. God bless you. Thank you for the comeback show. Thank you, Dion. Oh, no problem. Man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna make it happen. happen.